Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Hey everybody, good morning. How you doing today? Good, good. Hey, I like this. Whoever set these chairs up right here, like you guys in the front row, you, you're, you are right here, right? Like you're going to, you can tell the bean of coffee that I'm drinking this morning. So either congratulations or I'm sorry. I, I don't know either one. Um, Hey everybody, my name is Tim, if we haven't met yet, and I'm part of the team here at Hope Church, and it's my great privilege today to open up the Bible. So if if you're new to this whole thing, and uh, you've never experienced this before, uh, what happens at this point is we open up the Bible, and uh, we look at the teachings of Jesus, and um, and today we're going to do that. And so for the next few minutes, we'll do that together. And uh, I can't wait to share with you actually what we're doing because we're starting a brand new series, as you saw up on the screen today, called Found in the Way. And uh, we're going to talk about what that means and what we're doing. But um, how many of you are, okay, so, so let me put it this way first. How many of you are Golden State Warriors fans? Right? Yeah? All right. All right. All right. Good. Um, how many of you are um, LA Clippers fans? Boo. Nobody is an L.A. Clippers fan, right? You are? Okay. You might be a Lakers fan, you know, if you're from, you know, Southern California, but the Clippers, come on. So um, the other day, uh, Friday night, in fact, um, the Santa Cruz Warriors were playing the Ontario Clippers. Now, Ontario, if you're not familiar with Southern California, we're not talking about Canada. uh, We're talking about Ontario Southern California, LA area, and uh, and so they were playing. Uh, this was a home game for the Santa Cruz Warriors, and so anybody in here ever been to a Warriors, a Santa Cruz Warriors game? Yeah, a bunch of you have. Um, somebody won some tickets one time and and uh, invited me, and I sat courtside, uh, right at the mid the mid court part, and I sat there, and it was a great experience. You know, I loved it, and. Um, but Friday night, the Santa Cruz Warriors were playing the Ontario Clippers. And I watch the game. Sometimes, I'll, as I'm flipping through, I'll stop. I, you know, I, you know, it, it's not something like I don't plan my week or my night around, you know, that those types of games. But, uh, but I had a special interest in this particular game. So, when you're watching a game, I don't care if it's the Warriors or whoever it is. When you're watching a game on television, there are primarily two perspectives for anyone watching the game. You're either looking at your team and how they're doing, whether they're playing well or not playing well. You know, last last Sunday, was it just last Sunday when we watched the 49ers try to play a football game? Um, It was tough. It was hard. It's, oh, no, you're watching your team and you're just like, no, man. And you're so focused on it, right? There's two perspectives. You're watching your team or you're watching the other team, right? So somebody somewhere was watching the Ontario Clippers and cheering for them. Um, I don't know, I don't know who that, who that is, but somebody was doing that. There's two primary perspectives, right? Whenever you watch a game, that's, that's pretty much it, right? Like you're not, you're not like watching that broadcast for really any other reason. 
It's two, just two, just, just two ways. However, Friday night, I was watching the game intently, like more intently than I've ever watched any game in my life. I was watching the screen and I had my remote in my hand and I was waiting, I was waiting for something that I was looking for and when I saw it, I was able to rewind the, the broadcast, play it again and so I got to the point where I could click pause right at the moment I was looking for and I could take a picture of the screen. Take a look up here on the, on the screen. This is what I took a picture of. Now, this is a horrible picture. Don't judge me. Do not judge me, all right? But here's what happened. So you see the player is right here, right? Then there's two fans right in the middle. Those are nice people, I'm sure. But I was looking for that person in the top right corner. That's my daughter, Summer. And here's why I was looking for her. So Summer is our oldest, and she recently got a job with the Santa Cruz Warriors. And she's in there. Um, she works in PR for them and does community relations, so she helps the, the organization connect with the uh, community that we live in, in meaningful ways. And, um, and so now, Summer has to work every home game for the Santa Cruz Warriors. And so she's running around, she's doing different things. They had like every, every almost every home game, they'll have like signed jerseys that they'll raffle off and, and all the proceeds go to a local nonprofit. So the nonprofit are all there and they're representing their organization. And so Summer's doing this or that. At this point in the game, Summer's job, right to, right to our left here, uh, is the media, like the, all the score table and media and stuff. And so her job was to get like stats and like all kinds of stuff for people who were doing their work at the scorers table and they couldn't like get up to go do it. So that was her job. And so I didn't care at all about what was happening on the court. Uh, there was nothing, I was, and I was watching and I was just, I was trying to get it. And this was the best that I could get, but I got it. And this was her first home game. And now then, after I got this shot, because I didn't know where she was in, this, in the stadium. I didn't know if the camera would ever catch her. So the whole game, I'm just, I'm just, I'm constantly looking at, you know, oh, it's a blonde person. No. And then I'm constantly, and then once I knew where she was, I didn't even see the rest of the game. I just constantly was waiting for the camera to pan where she was, right? And... Um, I had a completely different view of the game than probably everybody watching that game anywhere, right? They were either cheering for their team or against the other team. And I had a third way. I had a third perspective that I was looking for. And so it fit perfectly for what we're doing in this series called Found in the Way. Because in this world, we're generally told that we have a couple of ways of looking at something or doing something, right? There's the right way and the wrong way and who knows which is which and who decides which is which, you know? We have this phrase that we use, a fork in the road, right? And, it, and, and generally, it's a picture of we're walking down a road, a single road, which would be like the handle of the fork, I, I assume. And then we come to a place and when we get to a fork in the road, what happens? We have to choose one way or the other, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have any forks that have like just two prongs at the top of them. I don't know how that came about. You know, wouldn't that be a little weird? Um, how, many, how many prongs are at the top of a fork? Three? 
Oh, wait, we got event. We got a professional event people here right now. So three for a salad fork and four for a dinner fork. Check the box. You learned something new today. And most of you are probably like, Tim, I already knew that. Is that new information for you? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. So where was I? A fork in the road. So a fork in the road, and we have, it, it, you know, we're taught when we come to a fork in the road that we have to make a decision to go one way or the other, right? Now, when I, um, when I counsel couples, you know, either premarital or, you know, hopefully trying to stop like postmarital, you know what I'm saying? Um, when I'm counseling couples, we'll oftentimes talk about how there's your perspective, and there's the other person's perspective, right? And then there's a third perspective. There's God's perspective. And so what we're going to try to do is center ourselves on God's perspective and try to align ourselves with his perspective. How does that sound? And so there's more than two ways of looking at something. Jesus would say it like this. Um, in the Bible, there's a verse actually in Proverbs. You'll see it up here on the screen. And it says this, it says that there is a way that seems right to a person, to you and me, but in the end it leads to death, right? And, and this is how it is for us, all of us, the moment we're born, the moment we let out our first cry and they cut the cord and I don't know, with all the other stuff that happens, from the moment we enter this earth, there's a way that seems right to us, but in the end, it leads to death. And it's because we're born with a nature, a broken nature inside of us. And in the church, we would call that sin. It's a, it's a rebellion against God that we're born with, right? And there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, it leads to death. This is just how it is naturally for us. It's why we don't have to teach our kids to fight for what's theirs. No, mine, no, mine, or to say no to us in defiance, right? We don't have to teach them to do that stuff. It's just natural to all of us because of the nature that we're born with. And so there's a way, a way that seems right in the end, it leads to death. Jesus would say this. He would say this, I am the way. Not, not a way that seems right to you and me. I am the way. I am actually the truth, and I'm also the life. In fact, he would make one of the most exclusive claims of anyone in the history of humanity when he would say, no one gets to the Father, God, except through me. There's one way, Jesus would say. So we sort of have the way that seems right to us. We have the way that other people would say is right. And then we have Jesus stepping in and saying, nope, you know what? There's a third way. I am the way. Over the course of this series, here's what's going to happen. We're going to take the whole year off and on throughout the year. If you were with us last year, you might remember this. Um, we did this with the book of Revelation last year, and we called it Last Days. All throughout the year, off and on, and we covered the entire book. Here's what we're going to do this year. Off and on throughout the year, we're going to be looking at the most famous message, sermon of Jesus, 
and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, in, the, in, in the passage we're going to cover, it actually covers three chapters of, in the book of Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so we're going to cover the first five verses today, and then all throughout the year, we're going to explore this passage. And here's why we're doing this. Here's why we're doing this. Jesus made a promise to us. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? And here's what he said. I've come so that if you follow that, have life, and in fact, he said life to the full, the abundant life. There's a, there's a version of the Bible that says life to the max, right? That's what we want. We want life to the max. And Jesus says, I am the way. And if you'll follow my way, you'll have life to the max, right? And so here's what we're doing. Over the course of the year, we want to find ourselves in that way. We want to look for that way. We want to we wanna identify ourselves with that way. We want to we learn about Jesus and ourselves in that way. And in fact, ultimately, when, we, when the world around us, the community around us sees us, we want them to find us in the way. In fact, I'll, sh- I'll show you, I am, I am literally the only person on the team here at Hope Church that could do this. Are you ready? I'm the only one, you guys. I'm the only one. So this tattoo right here, I probably should have taken a picture of it and like put it up on the screen. But this tattoo that I have on my left arm is an X with the letter P going right up through the middle of it. The X is the Greek letter for, that is our letter C. The P is the Greek letter for our letter R. And in the days after the resurrection of Jesus, if you had, you know, lots of people know that there was a symbol that was like the shape of a fish, right? And that identified you as, as a follower of Jesus. This was another one of those symbols. And the C and the R, in the Greek, there was no H in the word Christ. And so if you had the C and an R in this way, you were identified as a follower of the way. And if you've never heard Jesus, following Jesus, uh, described like that, it's one of the best descriptions of what it looks like to put Jesus as the front and center of your life. In the New Testament, right after the resurrection of Jesus, when you were identified as someone who was, who was a believer in Jesus, you, it was called the way. Oh, you're, you're one of those people that follow the way. It wasn't even the, the name Jesus at that time. It was just the way. Well, what is the way? If Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and in fact, if you'll follow this way, you'll have life to the full, then we should probably know this way, right? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to ask God to show us the way through this core teaching of Jesus. Now, before we jump into this, uh, I want to give you some background. This teaching of Jesus, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, Just keep, I'll just keep going, you guys. I'll just keep going. Yep, yep. Pay, pay no attention to what's happening. Behind.
I just have people that will change my batteries. I won't put it in your pocket. <laughs> Thank you for not putting it in my pocket. Yes, yes. It's the best decision. It's the best decision that Chris will make today not to put it back in my pocket. All right. So here's, so here's what we're going to be doing. As we look at the Sermon on the Mount, it's not an individual sermon. Um, Jesus taught it in this case, but this sermon is actually found by multiple people in multiple places all throughout the Gospels. Meaning, Jesus taught this, what we're going to be going through, over and over and over again in lots of places to lots of people. This was important to him. This was the core of what he wanted you and I to know about following him. In fact, if you, it, uh, this won't be on the screen because I just thought about it. But um, at the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus has, has resurrected. He's about ready to ascend back to God the Father in this very sort of miraculous thing that he did, going back to the Father. And his last words to his followers were this, and you know them, but now hear them in light of what we've just been talking about. All authority, he said to them, is in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Right? You know this passage? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, what? Everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then he was gone. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus expected that we would know these things we would internalize them, that they would change our lives, and then in turn, as new people said yes to the love of Jesus and began to grow in their young faith, then they could come and we would teach them the same things that we've been taught, the Sermon on the Mount. All right, you guys ready? All right, let's go. So today, today our big idea truth that we're going to be exploring, this is our anchor, anchor truth, is this. The way of Jesus... It seems upside down. But in reality, what's happening is it's turning the world right side up. And you're going to see this from the very first teaching that, we, that comes out of my mouth from this passage. It's going to seem upside down. But in our world, remember, our world is fallen and it's broken. Right? So at one point in the creation account in Genesis, our world was right side up. We chose our own way. The way, the truth, and the life, we chose the way that seemed right to us. And in the end, it literally, and spiritually, figuratively, it led to death. So in this case, Adam and Eve, they made their choice. They rebelled against God. It threw all of us into opposition against God. And what happened? The world was turned upside down. Now the way of this world is upside down. It's, it's, it's not right. It's not how God designed it to be. Now, there will come a day, there will come a day at the end of time where Jesus comes back again, and here's what will happen. When Jesus comes back again and he restores all things, guess what happens? The world will be put right side up again. So it was right side up. We rebelled. It turned upside down, and this is the world we live in. 
And now later on when Jesus comes back, it's going to be turned right side up. So the way of Jesus seems upside down to us in our natural way because we're actually upside down. You got it? Are you following me? I know, I know this is complicated for a Sunday morning, you know, 9 a.m. service. But as Jesus teaches us, we're going to see the truth that his upside down teaching, or so it seems, is actually helping us get our world back in order. And this is what God does. It's what he does best. I heard a friend of mine say just recently, his first name is Chris. I'll let you. What God does best is he reaches into the chaos and he pulls out order. And this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing here today. And all throughout this year, we're, we're sitting at the feet of Jesus, literally. We're sitting at the feet of Jesus, and we're asking him to bring order to the chaos. All right. Matthew chapter 5. You ready? Let's go ahead and get into it. Verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Now, in the days of Jesus, here's how it would work. Um, the rabbi would go to a hillside because they had no microphones. They had no people to come change batteries in the middle of a message, right? They, had, they didn't have any of that, and so they used the acoustics of a hillside. Now, here's how it worked in those days. Um, you, you, you want to you try how it worked in those days? Do, do you want to like, really get into the story? And like, like get into like what Jesus is doing right now? All right, well then let's do it. Everybody stand up right now. This is how it worked in, in those days. The rabbi or the teacher sat down and everybody stood listening to the teacher. You want to try this for the whole message? Are, are you up for it? You guys are like, no. Go ahead, sit down, sit down, sit down. <clears throat> Listen, following Jesus back in his day was hard, you guys. You think it's hard now? The Romans, yeah, and this, listen, Jesus' teaching went on for three chapters of the Bible. Imagine, imagine. So Jesus sat down and he gathered his followers to him. And the, when you read this passage in the original language, here's, here's what you get. There's a sense with the wording that there's a depth and an, an, an intensity of what Jesus was teaching. Um, the, the way the wording, I'm not going like to go into like break down the wording for you right now today, but the way the wording is, is, is written is that it's like Jesus is leaning in and there's an intensity in what he's saying to his followers, meaning I have something very, very important for you that I need you to know. In fact, I need you to remember, and there will come a day when I will leave this earth and I will tell you, remember the things I taught you? Now teach those to other people. And if you weren't paying attention, you might have been like, oh, Man, oh, oh, uh oh! I hope somebody wrote that stuff down because I don't, I don't remember all that stuff. Thankfully, you know, many people wrote it down. But there's an intensity with which Jesus now is about ready to lean in and teach his followers. 
Why am I spending so much time on this? Because Jesus wants you to do the same thing here today. And all throughout this year, as we explore his teachings in the Sermon on the Mount, this is important. It's, it's important because there's a way that seems right to you and to me, but in the end it leads to death. Jesus wants to give us the abundant life, life to the full. And so literally, now, now, now you may you know, assume this, in my pastoral contract, I do have a clause that allows me to dramatize, over-dramatize, as much as I want. That's in my contract. I'm allowed to do that. But listen, literally this is the difference between death and life. Jesus, the, the Bible would say it like this. I put before you blessings and curses, life and death. Now choose life so that you and your family might live. That's what the Bible encourages us. We want you to choose life, and so does Jesus. All right, all right, let's go. Here's the very first upside-down teaching of Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, um, we won't get, you won't be able to explore all of this today. It'll come in the coming weeks. We're going to do this for the next four weeks, by the way. And um, you're going to see there's actually this section of, of his first teachings. Um, there's a teaching that starts with, blessed are these people, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And the last teaching is, blessed are these people, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's a bookend, and it's designed to flow together. And so Jesus, right off the bat, is saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin with how you enter the kingdom of God. This is the most basic teaching of anything, right? If I was sitting down and I was part of Giselle's staff and she, she's the one that just taught me about forks, if I was sitting down with her staff and she was doing training with all the new people who had never done this before, I would sit in that first class and maybe I would be taught, so your salad forks have three things. You have your, your, your meal, you know, you have four things over here. Here's how you set this up. Here are the basics, right? You have to master these things first if you're ever going to be able to build on it and, and get to like more of the intermediate or advanced stuff, right? This is, this is the power of, of what we're doing here. Jesus wants to take us from one place to another, from the beginning to the, to the advanced, right? And so here's what this looks like. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In order to get into the kingdom of heaven, it is required that you have a poverty of spirit. That's what that means. This has no, the word poor, do not associate it at all with finances. That has zero to do with what Jesus is teaching here. Jesus is speaking to a poverty of spirit. And what does that mean? It means that you are blessed, and by the way, that word blessed, let me read you what someone uh, wrote here as a definition. It not only means joy and happiness, those are two good things, but it means this, completely independent of the changes and the chances of life. Meaning that you are so rooted in who you are in Jesus that, that your blessing comes no matter what the 
circumstances are in life, no matter what happens to you, no matter what happens around you, no, no matter what swirls in your life, the good times, the bad times, the ups, the downs, it doesn't matter. That's what this word blessed means, that you are so rooted in who Jesus is that you're experiencing the goodness of God no matter what life brings you. How many of you would like to have a life like that? Right? I get flooded out and I have nothing. Or I have a deal that goes well and I buy a house on East Cliff. Right? Whether I go to my pantry and I have four things to choose from or I have you know, a handful of things in a backpack and that's what I have to eat today. Or I go to a restaurant and I eat a beautiful meal and don't even think twice about the cost of the thing, right? Whether I have it all or I have nothing in this world, Jesus is saying you can be blessed, right? Blessed are you when you have a poverty of spirit, when you understand that without Jesus, you have nothing. Jesus would say it like this. He would say that... that um, or the Bible would say it like this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, that is true. That is a true statement. I can do all things, and the context is I can do all things that God has given me to do. He's given me the strength to do everything he's called me to do. I can do all things, right? But there's another teaching of Jesus where, where we are part of the vine, and apart from the vine, we can do nothing. We have no life outside of the vine. And so with Jesus, we have life and life abundantly. With Jesus, we can do all the things he's called us to do, right? And so blessed are you when you realize your need for him. That's what this teaching comes down to. When you realize your need for Jesus, you're not only blessed, but you're given entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Now, what's the kingdom of heaven? Let, let's establish this, because we're going to hear about the kingdom all throughout this famous sermon. And so you and I need to know what the kingdom of heaven is. The kingdom of heaven is a fancy sort of spiritual, like, like, like churchy phrase that simply means wherever we experience the rule and the reign of God. Wherever we experience the rule and the reign of God, that's the kingdom of heaven. So let me give you an example. Remember I talked with you about how the kingdom, the world, was right side up. And then we chose ourselves. We rebelled against God and everything became upside down. And there will come a day where Jesus will come back and everything will be put right side up again. Remember that? So here's what happened. Before we fell and the world was right side up, everything was as it should be. There was relationship with God. There was um, food to eat. Um, there was no need for, for clothing because that wasn't a thing. They, they, there was no shame. There was no, they, they, that wasn't a part of the thing. So there was no clothing. We had the food that we needed to eat. Uh, we had relationship with God. We had it all. Exact. We had great, we had not just great, we had perfect health. Right? Everything was as it should be. There will come a day when Jesus comes back again and makes it all right side up again, and all of those things will be true again. But in this world where we're upside down, we don't experience that, right? We get sick. 
We have seasons of life where we don't have food or we don't have this or we don't have that. Um, we, we have anger against other people. We have broken relationship with God, right? We have all of these things that were not as it once was and not as it will be. We're in this middle space. Every time that you see something that reflects the right side up nature of God, you see the kingdom. So, for example, when someone in our community doesn't have food to eat, and every Saturday morning we hand out free food in our, in our, in our back parking lot called Hope Feeds, you're, you're, you're literally, like with your own eyes, you're literally tangibly seeing the kingdom of God in that upper parking lot. We are stepping into the brokenness and we're experiencing something as God designed it. In that moment, now it may just be a moment, but in that moment, somebody has food to eat where they did not have it before. That's the kingdom of God, right? Whenever I do something incredibly unwise, incredibly foolish, all right, let's just call it what it is, incredibly stupid, right, in my relationship with my wife, whenever I do something that warrants her anger and all of the things, right, like when I fail and she has every reason to act one way, but she chooses love or she chooses forgiveness or, as is the daily rhythm in our house, when she chooses patience, with me, we're seeing the tangible kingdom of God. When someone is sick, yeah, all the wives say amen, right? <laughs> all the wives say amen. Um, and when you see her, tell her that I use that example and not me having patience with her, please. That would help. Um, <laughs> Whenever we see the kingdom, it, we're seeing things as they should be right side up. And so there are times, this doesn't happen every time, this is not a formula, but there are times when someone is sick and we will pray over them for healing and in the, in the immediate moment of our prayer, they are miraculously healed. That's the kingdom of God. Right side up. All right, I'll give you one more. When you're, when you're driving down the one or, or driving 17 over the hill and somebody cuts you off and you resist the urge, you keep your hands on the wheel instead of lifting one hand and one finger and shouting obscenities at them, you're seeing the kingdom of God right there. There is something greater that is guiding your life than the natural impulse to do whatever it is that you want to do, right? That's the kingdom of God. Blessed are you, deep, profound, rooted, blessed are you when you have a poverty of spirit because when you do, you're showing the kingdom of God to yourself and to the world around you. And so listen, when you and I have a humble attitude, when, when we let pride go, when, when we walk around knowing that we are forgiven and that God has shown mercy on us and so we will do the same to others, 
we're, 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 we're displaying the kingdom of God. Jesus, the reason why Jesus starts with this one. You and I can't experience anything else in the Sermon on the Mount until we get this one under wraps. So my question for you is, where in your life do you need to be reminded that you need Jesus? Maybe you've never said yes to the love of Jesus. This is your day. This is your day. Maybe you've said yes to Jesus, but in your life you have areas where you need to remind yourself that you are not everything, that you are not the center of the world, that you have been choosing your way, which in the end leads to death. Maybe you've been holding that grudge against your spouse, right? Maybe you've been withholding forgiveness from somebody. Maybe God has asked you to do something repeatedly and you just keep saying no, right? Where in your life do you need to come back to the place of saying, I am nothing without Jesus Christ, and allow him to have the rule and the reign in your life. This is the very first teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. All right, let's keep going. Um, the next verse that Jesus says is this, Matthew 5 and verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, in this verse, Jesus is reminding us that those who mourn actually have a place of blessing in the kingdom. Now, now this, this can mean mourning a loved one, you know, like, like a typical sort of mourning, like I'm mourning the loss of someone or something or whatever. It can mean that, but that's not the primary meaning of this. It, Jesus is not necessarily primarily saying, blessed are you when you're really sad about something uh, that's happened in your life to you. So, so, so remember, this is a progression. So a positive spirit brings us into the kingdom. We acknowledge our need for Jesus. We believe in who he is. We commit our lives to him. First step into the kingdom. Now, what happens next in our lives? We begin to see people and see ourselves and see the world around us as God sees and what happens all of a sudden is we begin to, to see brokenness, maybe in ways we've never really noticed it before unless it directly impacted us. We begin to see that in our community, for example, less than 1% of the people engage the local church. Less than 5% of the people would proclaim any belief in God, the God of the Bible. And we begin to, that grieves us. We begin to look at it and say, Oh, so much of our community needs the love of Jesus that, that I've been given. And we start to grieve for it. We begin to look around and instead of driving past the homeless person, the houseless person, and trying not to make eye contact with them, we begin to grieve for that and say, that's upside down. That's jacked up. That's not right. And we begin to get involved and we begin to ask God to help us see how we can help. And now we begin to get prepared for it so that every time we encounter a situation of brokenness like that, where we're able to step into it and say, I don't have much to give, but I have the love of Jesus and I came prepared with some snacks. 
You know what I'm saying? There's just, there's a shift. There's a shift that happens. And we begin to walk with people and empathize. And we begin to not look down on people, but realize that we are the broken serving the broken in this world. Right? We see people differently. We begin to walk around this world and we begin to see things and say, man, it's, it's not right that people are being sold into human trafficking not just around the world, but right here in Santa Cruz County. February is the month that we have a, a jug straight in the back that says Aruka Project on it, which is a, a, a nonprofit ministry that's serving the fight against human trafficking right here. And in the month of February, we encourage people to bring their change and put it in the jug. And that's one of the ways they raise funds to do the work that they do. We begin to look around, and I, that grieves our heart, Right? All of a sudden, because now I have a poverty of spirit and I see myself the way that God sees me without Jesus, I begin to mourn the places in my life where I'm broken. I begin to see the places in my own life where I'm broken, and I begin to grieve that I'm holding on to these areas. And the Holy Spirit is, is moving and challenging me to let those go. This is the mourning that Jesus is talking about. Jesus felt this in his own life. In Luke 19, it says this, as Jesus approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. You guys, we, sh we, sh we, should, we should weep that the vast majority of our own little community here is missing out on peace and joy and blessing. We, that should break our hearts. It broke the heart of Jesus. Now watch. Blessed are those who have a poverty of spirit. And the next step in the progression is your heart will begin to see things differently. And blessed are you when you mourn. It's a good thing. You're now taking on the heart of God. This is a core teaching of Jesus. Now, let's go to the last one. We have to finish up. The next verse says this. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meekness, if you haven't heard it said this way, is not weakness. You're not like sort of balled up in a corner, and we call you meek. This means strength under control, right? Like I look out here, I look out here in, in the crowd and, 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 and I, I see my friend Austin over here and, and Austin, Austin's a big dude, right? If you get a chance to meet Austin, go, go meet him. And I'm like a little dwarf, you know, looking up at Austin, right? And I'm so glad that he's got a bit of meekness in his life, you know, because he's got the strength that with one blow, okay, maybe it'll take like two or three, but with one blow, I'm down, Right. If he was angry, if he was mad at me and he wanted to like, you know, if he wanted to step up to the challenge of fighting me, that's what that's what would happen. Meekness is strength under control. In fact, uh, in the original language, here's what the connotation is of, of this word reigning in a stallion. So I've got a stallion strength but I'm keeping it under control. This is what Jesus says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. 
Proverbs says it like this. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is better than he who captures a city. Another proverb says it like this. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. And so here's what's happening, you guys. Here's what's happening. When, when Jesus teaches us, blessed are the poor in spirit, he's saying, blessed are you when you recognize your need for God. When he says, blessed are those who mourn, he's saying, blessed are you who respond to brokenness. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are you when you redefine your source of power. It's not about me, it's about God in me. And so how are we going to respond to these teachings? Are we going to admit our need for God? Are we going to respond to brokenness around us, deal with it in your heart, and then engage it in the world around us? Are we going to redefine our source of power from to God within us? This is the first step in being found in the way. And so the choice is ours today. Are we going to choose the way, the way, or are we going to choose our way? We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find Hope. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.